Thriving in today's fast-paced world of change and disruption requires innovation. Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that explores the ins and outs of innovation with raw stories, real insights, and practical advice from the best and brightest in the world of startups and innovation. Each week, we'll bring you the latest ideas in lean startup, design thinking, corporate venture capital, and more. Now, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. We've got an exciting interview today with Eric Brokheisen, who's the Chief Operating Officer and Program Director of an accelerator called High Tech XL up in Eindhoven area in the Netherlands. But it's way more than an accelerator, as you're going to learn. Uh, Eric has an interesting career that took him through uh, a long journey at Philips, then into venture capital, and now for the last several years, helping hardware startups continue to uh, accelerate their growth and production uh, in the Netherlands. Um, but it isn't just startups from that area. They're, they're attracting startups from all over the world because they have a unique uh, approach to putting the startups on a campus with 140 other companies. And what it's produced now is uh, some amazing startups and some amazing corporate uh, collaboration uh, of the likes that now Intel, Amazon, Medtronic all have presence up in that area due to successful acquisitions. So hope you enjoy this interview with Eric. Let's get into it. And Eric, what is your role uh, with these accelerators? Yeah, so I, uh, I lead the, the program here in, in Eindhoven, uh, as well as I take, uh, take care of, uh, of the operations in general. Next to the acceleration programs we're running, uh, the last year we've all also started to, uh, to use uh, quite, a, quite a bit of the methodology we use for startups, uh, which is, uh, which is uh, you know, lean startup and uh, things that are commonly known also for bigger corporations. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and that expansion is currently going on, uh, basically uh, uh, not only working with young uh, startups, but, but also with the bigger innovative uh, startups, uh, companies as well. Interesting. And so are you finding a strong uh, need or demand from corporations to learn what these startups are doing? Yes. Yes, we do. And, and how do you translate it? Because obviously corporations move at a very different speed. Uh, they have different resources. There are different bureaucracies that happen. Uh, how do you change or modify your approach uh, to make it effective with these corporations? Well, but basically to try to keep as much uh, of the atmosphere of, uh, of what, uh, what startup life is about uh, in, in the business discussions we're having with these uh, bigger corporations teams as well. Uh, so we really work with teams. Uh, and those teams should actually uh, be able uh, and be empowered to do quite a bit on their own. And then basically we coach the teams. And, and, and what we say, you know, if, if, if you have your customer traction arranged, hardly ever a manager will all of a sudden then stop you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So go, go, go out and talk to this customer and validate what your proposition is and see uh, what kind of value you're actually bringing to customers. And based on that, you will have a very strong, strong story. And then when, when you need to explain to, to management or, uh, or, or even the board what you're up to, um, hardly ever you will get, uh, get uh, uh, problems. Uh, in most cases, actually, uh, the board will be very enthusiastic to see that so much business development is going on on that level. 
and we'll support you. Sure. So uh, with, with all this work with startups and with corporations, uh, we're seeing a lot of trends where uh, people are trying to mash these together. They're trying to make them collide. Uh, are you guys seeing anything in the Netherlands or, or in Europe? Or are you facilitating any of this interaction between the corporations and startups? Yeah, we do. So, uh, so our startup programs uh, are actually funded by uh, by uh, a few big corporations that are that are close to us uh, in the Netherlands. That's ASML, that's Philips, uh, both here uh, from this region, as well as uh, EY, uh, of course, uh, well known. Uh, top uh, accountancy firm um, in in the in the world. Um, it's also ABN Amro Bank, a Dutch uh, a Dutch uh, bank. It's the high tech campus organization. We're here on a, here on a business campus, where uh, about 140 uh, companies are based, and more than 10,000 people actually work uh, on a daily basis. Uh, so we're in the midst of all this all that. The regional development organization also supports us as well as the NTS group. So these corporations uh, help us uh, to, to finance the program, but there's a lot more to it. Uh, actually, what they also do, they, they help out uh, with, uh, with reflecting on the different business models that people have. They help out assessing technologies. They help out uh, doing introductions uh, wherever necessary to potential customers or partners or suppliers. Uh, or what have you, and in some cases, actually, they might become partner or or, or customer themselves, and and that that helps a lot huh? because of the fact that things can can really speed up by warm introductions. That's one, and and secondly, especially when these uh, more formal relationships are established, it really adds to the credibility of what the startup is about, and and credibility. Is, uh, is very valuable because it basically helps out uh, to reduce the risk that any startup has. Absolutely. Now, there are some people out there, when we think about this corporate and startup uh, collaboration, there are some that are charging that for really disruptive technologies and ideas, corporations can't move fast enough, and so they need to partner with startups uh, to be able to make that innovation. What do you think? Can corporations really create disruptive new technologies and innovations, or do they yes. need to rely upon startups? I think both both is important. Uh, our view is, is that it's, it's very good to always be very open on, on what's happening around you. So if you're a big corporation, uh, we would advise really to watch closely what's going on in the startup environment, and especially in the environment, in the business segments that you're involved in yourself, um, logically. So we're, we're very much about that. Uh, but it doesn't say that it's impossible to, uh, within a corporation, uh, develop a new technology that is disruptive indeed. Uh, and I, I think that happens as well. Mm -hmm. One of the first things that comes up when I, when I share that exact idea with some of our corporate partners, uh, it seems like they always bring up intellectual property issues, right? They say, well, well, how am I going to protect any IP that's generated out of this? Is, is that the right mentality to take to this open innovation uh, approach? Or, or, or what would you respond to uh, those people who have their concerns about trying to do collaborative building with startups or with corporations? Uh, I, I would certainly advise people to think about their IP strategy for sure. So, uh, you know, to, to, to move into the domain of open innovation and, and collaboration with all sorts of parties without thinking about IP, uh, I think would be foolish. So I think it's, it's good to think about it. But then 
that doesn't automatically mean that you need to uh, to build a wall around yourself and and uh, pro- protect everything um, because in the end uh, you can be so protective that you don't create the value uh, anymore that others are creating by collaboration and then you basically protect protecting an empty shell right so it's it's important to strike the right kind of balance between protection as well as innovation and and nowadays innovation in the open world that we're having as well as the the global communication that that, that has been enabled the last couple of de- decades uh, which is uh, uh, of course uh, changing a lot of ways of working uh, that that we were used to earlier on i think it's very important to be able to collaborate and to innovate jointly with others but keeping in mind uh, a solid IP approach for your company. Sure. If you, if you had to advise them to, in general, fall on one side of the fence or the other, either protect or be open, which do you think will be a more sustainable long-term strategy? Obviously, knowing that you have to protect and you have to have a good IP strategy, but should I have a bent more towards one or towards the other? Uh, it depends a bit. Uh, you know, in, in general, corporations um, uh, have something to lose uh, because they, 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 they have uh, revenues, they have uh, many employees, they have a customer base, etc., uh, etc. Et so there is something to lose. What you see sometimes is that because of that, protection starts to play a bigger role than it should. Uh, basically protecting the history, but not taking care of the future well enough. So my general comment would, be, would then be try to be more open. Sure. Thank you, Eric. I want to go back to what you mentioned before about the campus. And uh, it sounds like that's a pretty dynamic community that you're in uh, with that many employees and that many companies. Can you share a little bit more about the benefits of on being uh, located in such a diverse space? Um, what, what, what it really helps so with, with having the, that many people here with, with 140 companies, what really helps is that it's very easy to have a face-to-face discussion. And, you know, no matter what kind of, uh, of uh, electron, electronic communication we can have, face-to-face interaction really helps with building trust. Do you have any stories uh, that you can share of, of any examples of, of how being located on that campus uh, was maybe the, the changing or turning point or, or just having access to those people is what really helped propel a particular company or startup? Oh, yeah, cer- certainly. Yeah. So uh, actually, uh, one, one of, the, of the startups in our current program um, that has a device that works with a device, uh, a medical device, uh, ultrasound device that Philips is actually marketing. So um, because of that connection, it's, it's, it's very easy to work with several different people within the Philippines organization uh, from that part, startup's perspective to actually check uh, how jointly that business can be further developed. Now, that's, that's a lot easier when you're, you're close by. You know what you're doing and you value each other's position. Absolutely. I, I want to talk a little bit about your accelerators now. Um, I, I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with a more traditional 90 days uh, Techstars or Y Combinator style accelerator. Uh, yours focus on hardware uh, exclusively or, or, or just uh, the majority of it is hardware? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the, our central point. Uh, and, uh, and and that starting point, uh, hardware, advanced technology, and, and even better, the combination of both, 
is what we're really good at in this region. So many of, of the companies we have here, but also the university uh, downtown is re really good at that stuff. We have leading companies. Uh, ASML is, is supplying uh, tools uh, to the semiconductor industry with 85% market share globally, uh, uh, having Intel, Samsung, TSMC as their major customers. And, and you're, you know, th these are 100 million or 150 million uh, kind of tools a piece. So with that, there's many, many uh, subsystems that actually are built by suppliers as well. And all these suppliers are, are basically driven to an excellent level. Now, that's supplier base, and some of that is, is, is very nearby. Uh, some of that is also uh, further away, for instance, in the U.S. or, or wherever. But, but quite a, a few of those suppliers are nearby. That supplier base is of the highest quality in the world. Mm -hmm. And to tap into that uh, basically uh, means that you're playing on the highest level. Now, if we would have an accelerator a program uh, that is very similar to other accelerator program, we probably would be good. Uh, but we don't think that good is, uh, is good enough in the world. You need to be excellent. Sure. I've been focusing on that hardware as a central point. We basically know that we can be excellent. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's why we have that strategy. Eric, I want to talk a little bit about your background and some of the transition that you've had. Um, what, what were maybe the highlights or challenges uh, that you experienced as you went from working with a large multinational company to then working with startups? Right. Uh, one of the things is, uh, is uh, not overanalyzing things. And so what, what, you're, you're, what you learn as an engineer and what you also learn as a specialist in a company when you have a first job, but also then later on, you know, that's applied a lot uh, in a bigger corporate environment, is to be in control of things, uh, to, to, to be part of a bigger organization, to follow procedures, etc., 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 while in the startup environment, the key indicator for everything is speed. And not everything needs to be perfect, but you need to move quickly, you need to learn fast. Uh, you might fail, but then at least fail fast. And that, that whole approach, you know, uh, in terms of understanding that theoretically it's not that difficult, but to put it in practice on a day-to-day -day basis, it took me some time to make that adjustment. Mm -hmm. All right, a anything else we should know, Eric, about uh, high-tech Excel or your journey or how corporations and startups can work better together? Now, well, what, one of the things is uh, is what we see is that um, what corporations get out of working with startups, actually there's quite a few professionals at, at the companies around us who also are mentor to the startups in our program. What we see a lot is that uh, people really get inspired by working with startups. They get inspired uh, doing uh, doing uh, uh, um, business development without the procedures. They get inspired by people having wild ideas and then moving along and after a couple of months really getting traction in the market. So that uh, is, a, is a very, very important uh, element. And what you see in that in corporations, um, sometimes because of the procedures, because of the meetings and all of, all of, of that stuff, you know, the joy of, of being part of something bigger um, might might actually be underwhelmed by the procedures and stuff. 
So what, what, what you see is that inspiration, uh, and that's also what we try to, to find in the corporate programs that we run, you know, to, to ignite the inspiration in the teams and to actually get to the energy that's within everybody uh, in general, to, to, to really uh, make it something personal, I think is a, is a key element uh, of what, what, uh, what corporations can learn from startups. Oh, that, that's interesting. So, so, again, there are cultural benefits that you get. Even if potentially that professional who's mentoring those startups, if that may not even turn into a product that they uh, end up acquiring or partnering with or, or whatnot, uh, they're going to get benefits just from the added energy and vigor that comes from being able to dip their toes in that startup pool for a little bit. And I, 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 what we do, you know, in, uh, on top of that as well, of course, we also work a lot with students, especially business students. They are always looking for opportunities to actually get assignments with real companies. Sure. Now, if they get an assignment from a startup, first of all, the startups get input. You know, it's not put in a drawer. That might sometimes happen in a big corporation. Uh, when, uh, when there's an assignment, an internship or whatever, that what's produced by the intern is actually, you know, not really used. But in a startup, it's used. That makes it a lot more uh, real. And, and also the learning, it, it, it's a lot more real. So business students really like that. So already this year, we had at least 200 business students working for startups, helping them out with, uh, with specific assignments. So that's also the kind of connection we make. Absolutely. What we also do is, uh, is connect startups to the expat community here. There's about 10,000 uh, expats in the, uh, in the city of Eindhoven. And, uh, and, and the families of ex expats, the, the spouses of expats have a, have a, high, uh, a high education in most cases as well. And what you see is that if they want to move back to professional life, that while moving they might have dropped out of a bit, uh, to work with startups is, is really something that, that they enjoy and that, that helps with creating an international network as well. So what they're really doing here in this region is connect startups to companies to, to the public organizations, the city, the province, uh, nationally as well. We connect them to, uh, to, to an international community here in the city, as well as to students. And, 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 and all is based on a win-win situation. And actually, in most cases, no money is changing hands. Mm. Fascinating. Fascinating. That, that just the whole community gets a lot richer through that. What, what are some of the... Who are some of the big Dutch uh, companies and big Dutch startups uh, that people maybe have heard of? Uh, well, there's actually uh, quite a few startups here on site that have been acquired. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know about the coverage in, in the U.S. about that. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but Intel, for instance, is now here on site because they acquired Silicon Heights. Mm. Medtronic uh, has moved uh, to Eindhoven because they acquired Sapiens. Mm. That's uh, deep brain uh, implants uh, for Parkinson's disease. So that's really very advanced medical technology there. Um, Liquid Vista was acquired by uh, Amazon, uh, for instance. So Amazon is here in the city as well. Uh, that's screen technology, uh, uh, as maybe the name already indicates. So there's, there's quite a few companies that acquire, are acquired by, uh, by also uh, U.S. companies for a couple of hundred millions. Um, Eric, if people want to learn more about you or Hitech XL or what's going on over there in Eindhoven, uh, where can they find out more information? Yeah, so hitechxl.com is, is our web address. 
And what's, what's also very uh, good to, to mention is that we're about to open applications for our next program as well, which we plan to do the final selections in, in October this year and then start the program in, uh, in November. And it's open uh, for, uh, for international startups. Great. Any industry vertical? Not specifically. This, uh, this program, we, we really uh, stick to the, to the advanced technology hardware domain. Okay. We might actually do a vertical uh, early 2017, but it's too early to announce that yet. Alrighty then. We'll uh, encourage uh, listeners, uh, if they know of any amazing uh, high-tech uh, advanced technology or hardware startups, uh, who can go up there and, and get in the land that Intel and Medtronic and Amazon and everybody are sniffing in and get to work with great people like Eric uh, on a great campus. Eric, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with us. We've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for having me. And that does it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Special thanks to our guests and sponsors and everyone who makes this podcast possible. Uh, please let us know what you think. Uh, head over to iTunes, give us a review, uh, drop us a note at the IO podcast on Twitter. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you. And in between then, go out and innovate. <laughs>